We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and I'm joined today by Michael Beasley Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? I actually happen to be a big Beasley guy. Always <laughs> was. Really believed in him coming out of Kansas State. But, you know, career was so-so. But, man, anytime we get to talk Pacer basketball, I'm always thrilled about it. Alex, it feels like an eternity since we last played. <laughs> it, it does. And that's why I said Michael Beasley Fachi, because you know who we're playing? is the team that drafted Michael Beasley. That's true. So that is why I threw that reference in there. So we got the Miami Heat, Fachi. Let's do a quick preview of this. Uh, familiar faces that will not be there. Jimmy Butler will be out for this game. And then, of course, the man that has never played against the Pacers since he's been traded, Victor Oladipo in Indianapolis. Are you surprised by this? Never even made the trip yet. I mean, he's not even accompanying his teammates in Indiana once again. It just kind of adds a little bit extra to it of just like, man, like you got to face us at some point. So, you know, <laughs> maybe he's hoping that years and years go on. So it's like kind of a little bit less of a, a rowdy crowd or anything of the sort. But at some point, you got to come back to Indiana and play us. But it will not be uh, this Friday. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. It's like, I mean, I get that he's hurt and stuff like that, so I'm not going to care too much about that. I mean, we know that he's dealt with injuries since we traded him, and that's part of the reason why we didn't keep him here long term. Uh, Injuries and just how we handled everything, and I don't care what he says on the J.J. Reddick podcast or the other 15 podcasts he goes on to talk about it. Uh, He's just a little bit delusional. But with that being said, still going to be an interesting game. They had a big night uh, Wednesday night. Tyler Hero hit a game-winning three. Uh, to take down DeMontis Sabonis and the Kings. So, you know, they're they're still a team that's very capable of giving the Pacers fits. Eric Spolstra, to me, 
probably the best head coach in the NBA right now in terms of yeah. X's and O's and getting the most out of his players. So, you know, just keep an eye on that. But other than that, Fachi, I mean, do you think that this rest that they got from the road trip is a good or bad thing? Because sometimes I feel like when you go from playing a bunch of games to having all this time off, it can kind of get you a little bit like out of your rhythm. I think it's bad because this is for the most part a young team that you want to get out there. It's not like you're like the San Antonio Spurs of like 2014 where you're like, man, these guys are, you know, these are like the guys on Mount Rushmore that are that old. You know, this Pacers team over oh here, God. you know, <laughs> some of these guys, I think they want to get out there and they want to play. And I know in reality, hey, it's only kind of been, you know, three to four days, but I think, uh, you know, the Miami Heat, they're more of a veteran team that I think will be up and ready for this. Like we said, they played on Wednesday. And overall, the Heat, been a sluggish team, just four and five this year. They were the one seed last year, so I expect yeah. they'll be ready to rock. Pacers, on the other hand, hey, for a guy like Aaron Neesmith, I feel like this was good rest to be able to come back. For a guy like Turner, hey, this is good to be able to get him some rest. Overall, I, I think that you're going to see a healthier Pacers team than you will maybe for the Miami Heat. But at the same point, the Heat, they have championship aspirations. The Pacers, well, we their aspirations are a little bit different. Yeah, the Heat are coming off a two-game winning streak with wins against the, the Warriors and the Kings. And ironically, those were two teams they lost to uh, previously before that. So uh, maybe they got some scouting in there and were able to check them out. But yeah, I mean... Uh, the Heat, they're they're a good team. Bam out of bio, always a problem for this Pacers team. I feel like when we play them, gonna have to keep an eye on their shooters. We already know about um, Tyler Hero, but Duncan Robinson has torched the Pacers multiple times. He only had four points last time, so hopefully he doesn't do that. Max Drews is another guy that has uh, given the Pacers problems, and you know just just their whole team overall. It's just like. Uh, they're just competitive as all get out. Kyle Lowry, I, I think that'll be a fun matchup to see how him and Halliburton go about playing each other. So, you know, I, I like this Heat team. I don't want to over-preview it, obviously. We don't do too many previews on this show, but I really like their re-signing of Caleb Martin. I think he's been a good fit for him and uh, probably being asked to do more now since he's in the starting lineup. But overall, I think this is a, uh, a good Heat team that's going to be a good test for the Pacers. But at the same time, you know, the Pacers have had all this rest. I'm I'm worried about that first game back being a little bit sluggish for them and not being able to produce well. And we've seen this Pacers team all season long struggle to get off to good starts. So hopefully that it doesn't bite them, uh, come back to bite them later in the game. No, I think that's definitely, it's definitely true. The Heat, far more of a veteran team, but at the same point, they got to be ready to keep up with us offensively. True. Because this Pacers team, they are a juggernaut offensively, one of the best units in the NBA in terms of points per game. I believe they are number one in the NBA right now at about 118 points per game. So, you know, hey, the young guys could be ready to rock, but it wouldn't be surprised me if, you know, maybe the rest did a little bit more harm than, than good. Overall, Alex, part of me misses the days when this was a big rivalry. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked about it before, the, you know, the TJ Warren, Jimmy Butler days circling on the calendar. When are the heat coming to town? This one's got a different feel to it, but at the same point, we got a different direction. And for that one, I'm actually really excited about where we're going, win or loss. Yeah. And no, that's a good point. You talk about it, Miami, they're only 21st right now in offensive rating where the Pacers are number five. But defensively, Miami's only at 18 this year. So they're not uh, the juggernaut that they were last year. I think they were top 10 last year for sure on defense. So uh, the Pacers are 27th in defensive rating. So 
that's something to keep an eye on there as well. But yeah, I think this is going to be a fun one. And I'm curious because we've seen Chris Duarte, Benedict Mather, and have really good games recently. Does that carry over into this game? We saw Chris Duarte have a big game last season at home against the Miami Heat. I'm curious to see uh, how he feels coming off that big 30-point uh, game against the Nets. Is that going to be kind of a, a booster for him moving forward? And then I'm also curious, how does Benedict Mathern, you know, reacclimate to, to being back home? Does the fans energize him a little bit more? Does it give him that little bit of edge that he needs to go out there and showcase his stuff? And looking at their bench and looking at their uh, their lineups, I wonder who's going to guard him during the game. If they're playing an eight-man rotation, uh, you know it's going to be difficult for them to put uh, Struess or uh, – Duncan Robinson, Tyler here. Like, I think Mather is going to have his way with them. So I'm curious to see how he attacks those guys. Oh, big time. Big time. It's going to be Thanksgiving come early if we see Duncan <laughs> Robinson on Matherin. So that'll be fun to watch. But one other thing, you know, talking about us offensively, the Pacers tweeted this out. The Pacers are the only team to have five different players score 25 or more this mm. season. Think about balance. that the balance of how early it is this year. And that they're getting that, I mean, wow, that's really good production that on any night it could be anybody. So it just shows, hey, there's a lot of young talent on this team. I just hope that we can find, you know, more of a balance on a nightly basis rather than Duarte, just like you mentioned, one night having 30, the other night maybe having eight. So I hope that this is a, a a big confidence booster coming off of that game from Brooklyn and that he's more getting into a rhythm. None of us are asking for 20 to 30 a night out of him, but if we could be getting into consistent double digits, that would be huge for a confident boost for Duarte. Totally agree with that, Fachi. I, I'm, uh, I'm rooting for Duarte to kind of have a bounce back. Me too. Because it was rough the first couple of games, and it was good to see him finally – See some shots go in at an efficient rate, unlike what he had done before, where he wasn't really shooting the ball with confidence or getting his shots in a rhythm. And, you know, it'll it'll be interesting. And I'm curious to see if the rotations have changed at all since they've come back and they've got some more practice time in and that kind of thing. But with that being said, we've got a really special guest joining us today. Y'all know him. He's a friend of the podcast from the Hoops Hype Show, Hoops Hype Podcast, and he's a reporter for Hoops Hype. It's Michael Scotto. Ladies and gentlemen, we always have a blast, Fachi, talking with Scotto about everything, right? Whether it's basketball or rumors, like he's just a really good basketball mind. So I always enjoy having him on, Fachi. Uh, unfortunately, you didn't get a chance to meet up with him in Brooklyn. So oh, that was a letdown. Did not know that Scotto himself <laughs> was in the building in Brooklyn. That would have been awesome. I mean, if I could have gone down the list, Chris Neri, uh, Chad Buchanan, Michael Scotto, that would have been awesome wow. right over there. But hey, we 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 talked, you know, a little bit offline. We're gonna make it happen next time the Pacers <laughs> are in the New York area, uh, yeah. probably against the Knicks. I will make that meeting happen. Yeah, and what's funny is like I'm laughing when I see all these guys meet Fachi because me and Fachi have never met in person. It's true. There is like probably like a 95% chance that happens next week where we actually will Good get to talks. Meet, uh if, if rumors are right. And if you're curious about that, maybe we'll tell you, maybe we won't, but there's a good chance Fachi might be in Indianapolis next week. So we will keep that on the DL, but that's really exciting because, you know, four years of doing a pod, not meeting somebody in person, it's a bit wild. But um, I think COVID definitely put a bit of a hold on that happening sooner. It did. And, uh, you know, but it's all good. We'll make the most of it, even if Fachi's only here for a couple of days. But uh, really excited for that opportunity. But with that being said, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to bring on the one and only Mike Scott. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joining us now on Setting the Pace, he is the host of the Hoops Hype podcast and is a great reporter for Hoops Hype. He's no stranger to the show. It's Michael Scotto. Michael, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, fellas? Great to be on with you. How are you both doing? Doing great, doing great. Always a pleasure having you back. Love having you back on Setting the Pace. Yeah, I'm I'm doing good. I'm getting over this little uh, strep throat that I got, but I'm feeling much better now that I got some antibiotics in me. And uh, hopefully this won't last too much longer, but let's get into it. You know, it's uh, been an interesting week here for the Pacers. They've only played one game so far, but there's been a lot of buzz around them, obviously, because of Miles Turner making an appearance on the Woj pod. And I know that you had an interview with him as well. So um, just kind of just kind of talk me through what you got out of your conversation with Miles and, you know, maybe some of the stuff he had to say in response to how, I guess you could say not criticism, but how much noise there was about that podcast appearance with Woj. Sure thing. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I took from that was um, from Miles's perspective, you know, he was asked a question about if the Lakers uh, should trade two first round picks for him and Buddy Heald because it's been widely discussed if he were the GM of the Lakers. Now, I thought he could have went two ways with that answer answer it kind of the way he did in the form of the question or say, ah, I'm not a GM and, you know, kind of pass it off. Um, but obviously this is a guy that's going into his uh, final year. That's in the final year of his contract. He'll be set for unrestricted free agency for the first time in his career uh, in the summer of 2023. And if you are going to answer that question, I think he tried to give it as diplomatic as possible by saying that the Lakers would have to consider it because if you say no then that's a negative impact on your value as a player um, so I think there were different optics there uh, what I would tell you from my conversation with him and, and you could check that out on hoopsype.com um, and then obviously I did a, a podcast expanding on uh, his free agency value with Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files you could See, find that on the Hoops Hype podcast as well. There's also a link on hoopshype.com now with a transcript if you prefer to read it. Um, but the main thing there was that, uh, you know, with Miles, I think what I took away from that conversation was this is a guy who's been in Indiana his whole career. He's got real estate there, he's got a fan section, um, and he's as involved in the community there as much as any player. 
uh, around the NBA. He, he cares about the people of Indiana and his community. Um, and I think that he didn't want to rub people the wrong way and, and, and explain why he answered the question the way he did because it was framed uh, a certain way. So that that was what I took from it. And then we talked about uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Ben Matherin, and, and the upside that those guys have and why he thinks he can be a part of a rebuilding process there. Uh, he emphasized to me that he is happy as a pacer and that uh, you know ultimately in free agency, there is certainly a number that if Indiana is willing to offer him, uh, he would accept. But the question becomes if Indiana is willing to do that. Um, and as I touched on with the podcast with Scott Agnes um, on Hoops Hype, the, the, the Indiana Pacers were dangling miles last year effectively for two first-round picks or a first-round pick and a good young player before he got hurt. Then he got hurt, missed the rest of the season, and in the offseason, they made a max offer sheet to DeAndre Ayton, who plays the same position and is a couple of years younger than him. Obviously that's kind of showing your hand a little bit there. Um, so you've got all these factors that, that are coming into play right now. And uh, we're just getting a chance to see finally what he and Tyrese Halliburton look like and what he can be as the main focal point as a front court guy. This is a guy that wants to be in the conversation for defensive player of the year and all defensive team. And has said, you know, to me and previously, um, that he's an all-star talent. This is his best chance to do that, and he acknowledged that uh, in my interview with him as well. You know, one thing I loved about your interview was I felt like it was, it was there was great glowing reviews about his teammates, the team, everything about him loving being a Pacer. And I felt like Woj's interview, I don't know if any of it might have been clipped or anything, but did you find it a little bit unique that it immediately, right when it started, address the Lakers rumors and the trades. And and do you think anything might've been left out of that interview that could have originally been there? Um, I mean, I, I, I think the first question, I thought it was interesting that that was the first question, but at the same time, I, I mean, it's been the biggest story of the NBA really, when you think about it with this trade scenario has been talked about for months. So he asked the question, like I, I don't have a problem with him asking that question at all. It's it's a question that's been thought about by a lot of people, and you know Miles answered it. As far as the rest of the interview, um, you know I I think Miles a lot of it you know was about him and his aspirations and um, maybe why he feels the way he does about not being in defensive player of the year conversations and things like that. Um, you know, I would say in regards to like Indiana Pacers questions that there's a re this, this guy's been in more rumors than a high school student in the hallway. Oh, and, and at a certain point, you've got to acknowledge that, which I felt like that interview did. Um, you know, obviously, when I spoke to him, it was following that and. I got the sense from him, you know, he certainly wanted to touch a little bit on Indiana and make it known that he does love Indiana. And I I thought like he did that and he addressed um, that particular clip. Um, I, I, you know, I think 
I thought that interview was fine. He did with Woj. I thought it was honest um, from him. And I thought the question was fine. And same thing with mine. Just uh, somewhat different questions. That's all. But I think both of them have very useful information. And, uh, you know, and then with the podcast with Scott Agnes, I kind of looked even further ahead uh, at his free agent value and stuff, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really have a problem with the question at all. And I actually think that Miles answered it very authentically. And I thought he was very candid in his response. And there was no no ill will toward the Pacers or anything like that. It was just like, yeah, you know, like it makes sense for me to go there. You know, it's a big market. I can get more recognition there. You know, he, he said that he hated that Indiana doesn't get the recognition that it does, uh, that, it, you know, that, is, that it doesn't get. But at the same time, you know, we all know this. The Lakers are talked about every single day, for better or for worse. So I can understand why he would be more intrigued by going there, especially – if it is a trade, because even if it doesn't work out long term, that's only going to help him with his free agency campaign. But on the flip side of that, the other person that's involved in this trade is Buddy Heald. And this is somebody that you haven't really heard a peep about this trade from. So why do you think more people are only focusing on the mile side of it and not so much the Buddy Heald side of it? Interesting question, Alex. I would say the answer to that question is because Miles Turner is going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer, and Buddy Heald has an extra year on his contract, number one. Number two, I think it's pretty obvious that Buddy Heald would be a potential uh, fit for them because of his ability to shoot the three-point ball. He started the season off well shooting the ball, and that's been the biggest struggle for the Los Angeles Lakers to this point in the season. Um you know, it's there are so many ties with Buddy, with Rob Palenka being his former agent. I just think all those dots have been crossed, whereas Miles Turner is a little bit more intriguing because, yes, it would be a center upgrade for the Lakers on paper, um, and you could play Anthony Davis at the four where he prefers to be. And, yes, Miles can stretch the floor adequately. Um, but it's a bigger question because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And I think, fellas, if anybody, any team trades for Miles Turner, you've got then to be willing to pay him, you know, in the neighborhood of $20 million or more potentially uh, this summer. Um, you know, if you can get him for anything less than that, you know, I think that would be fine for most teams. But um and talking with a couple of execs they could see that 20 million dollar range uh some mentioned to me clint capella well clint capella is going to make 21 million dollars next year um so it, it's going to be interesting to see in that regard but if you trade for him you're giving him leverage in a sense because you're probably giving up at least for him in my opinion at least a first round pick of some sort whether it's protected or not and you're not going to just give that away unless you believe, in theory, you're going to retain the player. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting over here because I do think, just like you mentioned, you you better be ready for that contract extension. I mean, in the NFL, just saw the Dolphins make the move for Bradley Chubb. They backed it up with over a $100 million deal right away. So a team would have to be strongly considering inking them long-term. But here's where we start to think about it. Look, the Lakers, they're they're hesitant to give up that second future first-round pick. Do you think there could be another team that swoops in for Turner if it's not the Lakers? Well, 
purely hypothetical. I thought maybe the Brooklyn Nets would be a fit because in theory, the Nets could use a true center that can be an interior presence and block shots. And they always want a big man that could shoot the ball. That's why they have not gone after Dwight Howard. Uh, and it's why, you know, well, I can't say that for DeMarcus Cousins. That's different reasons. But my point being, they ideally want a big that can shoot the ball and block shots. Um, I know that doesn't fit Nick's, Nicholas Claxton, but he does different things that they like. Um, so Miles Turner would theoretically fit that bill for them. That said, he did not have a good showing against them uh, in the second game of that set in the city when they played on Monday. Um, so I, I think that is interesting there. As far as other teams, I mean, you always heard the Charlotte Hornets, but at this point, I think that that ship has kind of sailed because um, I just feel like it was talked about for so long. If it was going to happen, it would have happened already. Um you know, previously the Knicks had been floated out, but they just signed Mitchell Robinson to a new deal, and um, they signed Isaiah Hartenstein, so I don't see them in the mix. Um, you know, the it's the reason why the Lakers have been the team that's been most talked about. Um, and they are going to have cap space next summer that if they acquire him and Buddy Heald, uh, they'll have some room to try to make some stuff happen there. Well, I got to ask you this. I'm going to go back to Buddy Heald here for a second because I just feel like he's been really good this season. He's having a, almost a career year, I think, shooting-wise. And, you know, mm -hmm. we, we talked about his numbers in terms of rebounds and assists are way up too. So this is a guy that does not miss games. And I'm not sure if the Pacers could get a first-round pick for him or not. It didn't seem like they could. But looking at what his value was in Sacramento to what he's doing now with the Pacers, do you think that maybe his trade value has improved since being here with Indiana? Yes, I do, and I think there's now a possibility that they could get a first-round pick um, in the 20s later on, later in the 20s, possibly, um, due to a team's potential desperation. If you're a playoff team, you know a guy like Buddy Heald, a guy like Eric Gordon on teams that are not expected to contend, those are the guys you're targeting. Um, at that shooting guard position early on. You know, the, uh, Terrence Ross is another guy on the wing that teams are going to look at. Um, whether they get traded or not is a different story, but they're going to monitor for sure. Um, that's how the business of the NBA works. I, I do think he's upped his trade value. And the other reason I'd say that is because he's only got uh, an extra year on his deal. It's easier to swallow, even if you think it's a, a lot of money for him which at this point with the cap going up, that's not even bad either. So uh, I, I think his value um, has gone up. And I think if you're Indiana, Rick Carlisle preached before the game that Miles Turner and Buddy Heald have been nurturing to the young core. They've been good, solid veteran role models for them. And obviously they're, making an impact on the court, which is ideally what you want with a young team. Um, so, I mean, there's not, there doesn't have to be a quote unquote rush to move him. Um, I think it just depends on how quickly they want to give the keys to a guy like, you know, Benedict Matherin uh, to continue to shine. I mean, he's certainly been productive enough in his role, but 
They've also got to figure out long-term what they're going to do with Chris Duarte. Uh, it's pretty clear to me, and, and in talking with the Pacers um, while they were in town, that that backcourt of the future of, is Tyrese Halliburton and Ben Matherin. You know, Chris Duarte could certainly be a key rotation guy off the bench for them, uh, but that's the long-term future. Where Buddy Heald fits into that, I'm not sure. You would, you know, he, he could be a fine veteran shooter, but at a certain point, you're going to want to fully turn it over to Tyrese and, uh, and Ben. Yeah, there are a lot of mouths to feed right now in Indiana, and they have young, promising talent by the boatload. But even Turner said it himself. He understands that Indiana cannot afford to, you know, keep them through the year and then lose them for nothing. How shocking would it be for the Pacers to maybe keep Turner throughout the year? Is it, Or is it shocking at all? I would say that most people around the league would probably bet against that. Um, and I would say to you that if they did keep him, you then have to do so under the premise of two things. Number one, you are going to sign and trade him to a team that's over the cap, but I don't see that necessarily making sense for them given their cap situation. Um, or that you're going to keep him and you have an understanding of what the market's going to be and you think it's worth it to retain him. Um, given the fact that he's been in so many trade rumors, they went after DeAndre Ayton. Um, he's going to be 27. He's he's in his prime now. He doesn't line up necessarily as well with Tyrese Halliburton and Ben Matherin, but I don't think he's a guy that's too old to be in a rebuild either. Maybe they come to an agreement on a short-term deal for good money. Those that that those are the scenarios where I could see him staying. If he goes, I think it's going to be because they can get a good first-round pick for him. Um, if they can get a a good young player with him, that would be a bonus. But I think at that point, you're just trying to get a better first round pick as good as you can and a guy that maybe either a guy or two guys that can match his salary on a short-term deal that also expired this year or if the pick is really worth it maybe one more year but you really don't want to go too much further than that yeah i mean i feel like if an extension was going to happen it would have already been done it feels like they really haven't talked about it too much well, they yeah. talked about, I mean, Alex, I, I'll yeah. say this on, on yeah. the extension part, and I, I touched on this with Scott Agnes on the on the Hoopside podcast, that they, not recently, but previously, there had been some discussion of a Malcolm Brogdon type of extension gotcha. around that two-year $45 million deal range and it never happened. Okay. And and I don't and to be honest, I didn't think that it made maybe it was a little bit the money maybe was fair for Miles, but why would you take that now when you could potentially get a longer deal and more right. depending on how he plays if he wants to bet on himself. Mm -hmm. I understood it from the Pacer side, from Miles' side, I think um you know, again, he's talked about all season about having all-star talent and all these lofty goals, whether it's with the Pacers or somewhere else. I think in Indiana, it's his best chance to to certainly make his best case statistically for a big payday. If he gets traded, I don't know what his role could be on the other team. You, we would have to wait and see.
Yeah, I mean that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me for him to sign that deal either, just because, like you said, uh, he could get a much longer contract with potentially more money. I don't know, but uh, you know, just give him that chance to get that money secured, and we know that he's had injury problems as well throughout the last couple of seasons. So it make more sense for him to get as much years on the deal as he could. But with that being said, Daniel Tice is a guy that was traded here in the Malcolm Brogdon trade with Aaron Neesmith. The other three players were waived and stretched for the Pacers to have the cap space to go after DeAndre Ayton. But I'm just curious. We haven't seen him play yet. We know he's been out with a foot injury is what they're saying it is. No, we played a lot in the World Cup. Uh, or So I'm just curious. Do you think there's any value out there for a guy like Daniel Tice? And what do you think that value might be? I would say any team that's looking at Daniel Tice is a playoff team for sure. Um, he does things that don't show up in a box score, but he's he was a key part of the Boston Celtics. And those teams, not just when they went to the finals, but other years he played a critical role he can shoot the ball good locker room guy uh does the dirty work he has value to a playoff team in terms of potential compensation for him uh if it's a draft pick you're talking about second round picks uh if it's in terms of a player probably somebody that matches his contract ideally but uh, maybe just needs a change of scenery, but that that's my kind of stance on the trade market for Daniel Tice as of now. I really think he could help a playoff team. Um, you know, coming off the bench, maybe spot starting at times, depending on the configuration of the team. Yeah, look, I don't expect it to be a sizzling trade market for Tice right now. I think the Pacers would take whatever they could get, just because he doesn't fit the long term plans, and he does have close to nine million dollars guaranteed after this season so um it's definitely going to be intriguing but one other player that right now kind of maybe doesn't fit the long-term you know trajectory of this team is tj mcconnell great guy great teammate but overall i mean not someone who's who's shooting the three ball like the pacers want to shoot it this year and after drafting andrew nemhard 31st overall it feels like mcconnell's minutes were starting to see him shrink do you think mcconnell could be moved and if so, I mean, what type of market could there be for him? I mean, I'll say this about the Pacers. Um, they have good veterans on that team, good locker room guys that they they like. He fits that kind of bill, even though he maybe may not be a, a long-term piece. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, what would his value be? Probably some type of second-round draft pick compensation. But it's not going to be anything, mm, I don't know, that sets the world on fire. I mean, you're talking about a, a very solid backup point guard in the league, but that would be kind of the compensation range, I would think, if you're Indiana, that you'd be looking for if you potentially move him. Yeah, so I, I want to get away from the rumors here now for a little bit. I mean, obviously, we could talk about some of these guys that could be moved, but uh, I think it's important for us to talk about the players that – have been producing on the court, and you were at the game on Monday uh, for sure that I know of. I don't know if you were there for the one on, on Saturday as well. I but, was. I was there okay. for both. So you got to see that special performance from Benedict Mathern with the 22 points coming off the bench in the in the first half of that first game, and then you saw Chris Duarte drop 30 points on night two. So I'll let you pick where you want to start, but, like, 
just terrific performances from both of those players. What were your takeaways on uh, Matherin and, and Duarte? I'll start with Benedict Matherin. This this is a young man that's put himself in the early conversation for sixth man of the year if he ends up staying there uh, and looks like a guy that could potentially be a future all-star. Um, Indiana is thrilled with his internal motivation and they have very high hopes for him. As far as Chris Duarte is concerned, uh, certainly one of his better games of the season. I would say he had one good game against the Nets that day, and before that he had a bad one. Um, like This is a guy that could be a rotation piece for them, but uh, certainly I think the calculus for him changed once they got Benedict Matherin in the draft, and his role is obviously going to be different. It's probably going to be more of a microwave scorer type off the bench and uh that's kind of my read on on him you know right now i've said it that i feel like benedict matherin and tyrese halliburton are the two players that are gonna make you want to watch the indiana pacers moving forward i mean right now these are both really young guys this is a super promising young backcourt for the pacers i mean what do you think that those guys maybe they the potential that they could have of raising the ceiling for the Pacers moving forward as we know it's a rebuild, but this doesn't feel like an OKC rebuild where you're looking at five, six years or so. I mean, like I've said, you know, the, with the Pacers, they think they have their backcourt of the future. Um, it's really about filling out the uh, the front court now. Um, that's a great start, to, in my opinion. I, I do think uh, – their rebuild is going nicely when you've got two potential all-star backcourt guys. You know, you think about the, some good teams, whether it's the Warriors that were finals bound often, or you think about the Portland Trailblazers, um, you know, that were a perennial playoff team. It was Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And, you know, I'm not saying that Tyrese and Ben or Steph Curry and Clay Thompson because they would need a lot of team success, but can they put up the points and the statistics similar to those guys and what Dame and CJ did? It, it's possible, yeah. They're, they're supposed to only get better as they continue to uh, get stronger and have more maturity in the league. I, I think the bigger question is how are they going to fill out the rest of this uh, roster, and I really think a lot of it starts with uh, what they're going to decide with Miles Turner ultimately. Uh, because if you're going in a different direction, then you're going to lose your a lot of your defensive interior presence. Um, so I'm kind of curious on that. Who who's going to be that that next guy that they're looking at as a building block? Then if you're pretty much if you pretty much have your backcourt set with Tyrese and Ben. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like uh, against the Nets specifically, I felt Isaiah Jackson did a really good job in both those games. Obviously, went out with an injury in the second one, but he was on uh, trajectory to to have good numbers again. I think he was the highest plus minus, like a plus twenty five in that first game. But um, on, on your podcast, I heard you and Scott going back and forth, and you said you said that you got to talk with Rick Carlisle for a little bit. I'm curious, was there anything that stood out to you about what Carlisle had to say about this team? Yeah, I mean, I just got to speak with him uh, before the game courtside. We were just chatting up. Um, and the biggest thing I took away from him, he enjoys coaching this group. They're a good group of young guys that want to learn, want to get better. Uh, and they put the time and the work in. Um, 
he had kind of talked about a little bit how they went for they were in a rebuilding mode sort of um in Dallas and then Luka Doncic came and kind of changed the calculus of that of the timeline and you know I'm not saying that that's where it's at just because they got Tyrese and Ben but they're certainly on a good path and he's he's been a part of this before so um you know he's intrigued certainly by what the future can hold for this team and um you know they are not results driven right now they are development driven and they like the direction certainly of that backcourt um you know obviously they want to continue to see what they have in Duarte I think uh Isaiah Jackson's going to get a good look this year as well yeah I'm very excited for that I mean between it's like it's a great problem to have having all this young talent competing for spots right now. But guy that we touched on, Tyrese Halliburton, look, it's been, you know, roughly eight, nine months since the Pacers elected to move Sabonis for Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton in the midst of a definite career year. And I do think, similar to you mentioned with Luca, has, you know, sped up this rebuild. What is the perception eight, nine months later on that trade that, hey, is it that the Pacers absolutely won that deal slam dunk? Or is it a, you know, hey, kind of like what they got going over there, but it, there's still going to be more time until we get the end result? I think certainly for the Pacers, anytime you can get a point guard of the future that could average 20 and 10 and be a potential all-star, um, the trade is certainly a, a great move for them. I think for uh sacramento you know if they don't make the playoffs that's going to be a tough pill to swallow and then before you know it you're gonna have to figure out what you're gonna have to do with demonte sabonis long term and that's a two-way street is he gonna want to be there still time will tell um from indiana's perspective you know i don't know how much better realistically they could have done i mean certainly maybe I don't know if they had like other offers for more first round picks, but in terms of a player, a young player, that's an all-star caliber guy, um, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, just one of the best guys you could have gotten um, in a deal for DeMontis Sabonis. So I certainly think it was a, a win for Indiana. And I think that long-term, uh, you know, for Sacramento, it's going to depend on if they make the playoffs uh, with DeMontis Sabonis and then what they end up doing with him and his future. Because uh, slowly his contract situation is is beginning to creep up in the background here. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what the Kings do. But yeah, Halliburton, not only is he a great player, uh, or I should say a good player that's con you know continuing to show greatness in his game, but I think he's just a great fit for the city of Indianapolis. And being a Midwest guy, I think that's really going to help long term just because his uh, he's more familiar with the Midwest. It doesn't bother him as much as, you know, we had heard rumblings that Sabonis really was intrigued by living in California. His wife lives out there and that's where they were living in the summer. So I kind of understand all that. But, Michael, we want to thank you so much for coming on. Let the people know where they can find you at on social media and plug anything that you'd like to plug. Sure thing. Appreciate that. Uh, you can certainly follow me on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto, M-I-K-E-A-S-C-O-T-T-O. Be sure to check out the Hoops High podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And uh, yeah, 
uh, was the, the last episode was a fun one on the Pacers. Be sure to check that out. A lot of good insight on Miles Turner, his free agency value, um, and the futures of Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin. Uh, we touched on Jalen Smith as well. And yeah, um, working on a couple other projects for uh, Hoops Hype right now. So stay tuned for that. Always appreciate joining you guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Everybody check him out on Twitter. Give him a follow. Check out his work. Hey, Scott, oh my guy, I appreciate it. Love having you on, and we got to do it again sometime soon. Oh, my pleasure, fellas, anytime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Bada bing, bada boom. There he is, Michael Scotto. Didn't I get a beauties in the eye of the beholder comment? But we will Didn't. save that for next time. I almost brought it up at the end, but I feel like we got robbed. Actually, we we might have got robbed a little bit. I, I know Michael probably was. Uh, thinking, I wonder if they're going to bring this up again. Like, like, come on, don't, don't, don't <laughs> yeah. bring it up. Like every time I'm on the show, so we, we we didn't with him, but we'll bring it up later, so he doesn't have to suffer through that. But with that being said, Fachi, anything interesting there in our conversation that you you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I feel like Miles probably did get a lot of backlash from that Woj interview, and I feel like he really set a lot of it straight with Michael Scott over there because. There was far more praise for the team. There was far more, hey, I'm happy in Indiana, you know, love my teammates, you know, not saying I'm leaving, anything of that sort. It was a far different tone. So I think that he probably realized some of the comments he made on, on the Woj pod could have been, you know, kind of handled a little bit differently. There's also going to be the other side that said, hey, he was authentic. You got to appreciate it to an extent, but obviously, you know, some fans were rubbed wrong. And I think Scott will help set that record straight. Yeah, and and I'll say this, Fachi. It's uh it's just it's just hard to figure out exactly what somebody means in a podcast. You don't know what was edited, that kind of thing. And you know, you I thought you brought up a great question asking, like, why do they start off with that? Like it's just so 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 unique. And it almost seemed like they had been talking before that was brought up, but they might have been off the air or whatever, who knows? But uh, we've shared our thoughts on that. I don't want to reiterate that too much, but I did like what he had to say about Buddy Hield and his value going up being higher here in Indiana than it was in Sacramento. For me, uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a tough spot right now, Fachi, because I've really enjoyed what I've seen from Buddy Heald this season. And I got a memory. Uh, <laughs> you know how you get, like, notifications when you have memories on Facebook and stuff mm -hmm. like that? And uh, back in 2020, I had a, a podcast on this show with Kent Sterling where we talked about <laughs> Buddy Heald and going after him in 2020. And I was really high on him there. And I, I think we both were kind of high on Buddy for a hot minute. Uh, where we both said Buddy to Indy, because my dog's name is Buddy, your dog's name is Indy. Yep. There's two dogs, so Buddy to Indy. It made sense, right? We were just being silly with it. But, you know, uh, we we were always in 
Uh, I think with the roster we previously had, it kind of made sense to go out and get a shooter like that. We just needed someone to light the scoreboard up. With this core right now, I understand there's a bit of a log jam there at that shooting guard position. But let me ask you this. This is a personal question for me, Flashing. Bring it on. Make it personal. If you're looking at Tice, Miles, McConnell, I'll throw James Johnson because he's a vet, and Buddy Heald. My personal opinion, Buddy Heald fits the best out of all five of those players with the way this Pacer team wants to play. Am I wrong in saying that? No, you're not. You're not. I honestly feel like, sure, the Pacers, they need to find out what exactly they're going to do at center. And, like, everybody imagines, you know, Isaiah Jackson will grow into that role. But you haven't heard one bad comment about Buddy Heald since he's been a Pacer. He's played really well. And just like you said, just unfortunate with the timing. Because Buddy would have been such a great acquisition to any of those teams from the past that were competing for playoff spots. Now it's just we're in a different direction, and the players behind him need time. And if you're going to move him to more of a bench role, then, then it's different. But it's just hard to get him those 30 minutes per game that, that he needs or wants. Yeah, I mean, if he would be willing to take a bench role and kind of lead our bench, anchor our bench, I would be totally fine with that. I think it would be kind of fun to see him out there with Nimhard and Duarte. And right now you'd start Aaron Neesmith next to, to Matherin and, uh, and Tyrese, in my opinion. And, you know, and just kind of see how that looks, especially if you get Victor Wimbanyama, right? Now, oh, if yeah. you get if you get another power forward or another guard, or excuse me, small forward or guard, it does make sense why Buddy would kind of be a bit of a log jam. But outside of those five or those four guys there in Matherin, uh, Neesmith, Duarte, and, and Buddy, who else are you really playing at that shooting guard wing position on this team? We know O'Shea's not going to probably get any minutes there. Terry Taylor's yeah. not really a guard like that. Maybe Nimhart a little bit, but... I think that kind of ties into like TJ McConnell. You talked about it. Um, he had one. He took one three in that Nets game. <laughs> What's yeah. funny is a buddy of mine is actually working on the floors at at Bankers or Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Excuse me. Uh, he's working on doing like the floors and the main concourse and the locker rooms. They've already done all that uh, with their flooring company, and they had the um, the I think the the hoops to heroes whatever that thing is that they had uh, promoted where like you know military people came in and. They met with them and had a practice in front of them. Well, before that, TJ McConnell's out there shooting threes, and he splashed like five in a row in practice. Oh, so, my God. You know, I started laughing when he sent it to me, and he really didn't even think two things about it. He just happened to catch that when he was sending it to me. But, uh, you know, it just doesn't feel like McConnell fits here long term with the style of play they're wanting to play. Obviously, James Johnson's just a guy. Tice, just a kind of guy on the roster. And then, and then Miles, it's interesting, but – I feel like they want to play a little bit more up-tempo, a little bit faster, and I think Isaiah Jackson provides that for them. Uh, where, where Miles, like, when you watch Miles try to catch alley-oops, it's just totally different than watching Isaiah Jackson catch oh, an alley-oop. Time. It's like big Miles time. does not have that spring in him. So, to me, I just think the way Buddy's played and has been so efficient, like, I understand my fans are clamoring for us not to trade him. Uh, I wasn't before. <laughs> I think with his value being as high as it is now, it makes more sense to trade him now just because you're going to get probably a better return from him than you would have when you first traded for him. But I, uh, I've i been so enamored by how he's played with the group. Like, if they don't find a deal for him this year, like, I don't think it's the end of the world. No, no, it's not for, for Buddy because, you know, like you said, he would be entering the final year of his contract next season. So, Bates still will know that they'll be interested in him if they want to make a move. But overall, it's more of the you don't want to walk out empty-handed turners to hit free agency. And you lose him when, you know, 
it's it, that's kind of where you got to draw the line to say even if it's a first round pick or or some young players we need to get something back or compare buddy you could take a little bit more time same thing with the rest of the guys over there like McConnell's still under contract Turner's just that one where hey it feels like we're kind of you know, turning over that, that sand glass at times going down where we got until the NBA trade deadline to really look at all options over there and make a decision. Mm, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, if you can get really good value back for him, you make the trade. There's no question about it. And I think you just have to have a conversation with Buddy, which I'm sure they have. Do you want to be here long term? Or would you like to be traded to a contender if we can get you there or to a playoff contending team like He's not been in the playoffs his entire career, if I'm mistaken. So it's true. If I'm not mistaken. So he wants to get into the playoffs. He wants that experience. And I think, you know, while there's a lot to be desired, so defensively, let's be honest, we're not trying to deny that he's not the greatest defender. His his ability to put the ball in the hoop is special. Uh, he oh, is just a bucket. He is a bucket. So he is a walking bucket. And when he's hot like he is, like he's pretty much unguardable. So I uh, – I love how Sacramento fans felt like he was the burden when they traded him here, and now Pacer fans are just like, well, I like this guy. You know, the only okay. only thing fans don't like is that Matherin's not starting, <laughs> and Buddy yeah. is. But oh well. I mean, I, I looked at it today. Um, the best five man lineup for the Pacers right now, uh, with the most game log, it's been four games, but it's been Matherin, Buddy, Tyrese, Jalen Smith, and Isaiah Jackson. That's been the best five man lineup for the most uh, games played together. Now, the highest, I think, net rating or whatever was like Miles, Neesmith, Jalen, Buddy, and Halliburton. But I think a lot of that goes back to what happened against Washington because it's only been two say. games. That so, was, that's definitely a handful of minutes <laughs> together, you know. But the largest sample size was the four games, and that's yeah. what's kind of crazy for the five-man lineup. So that's that's where I was really intrigued by that. So I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah, you can play them together. I don't think it's the end of the world if they play together, Buddy and Matherin. But anyway, we'll get off that, Fachi. I know we got to wrap this show up here, but I just want to get your thoughts on that because I, I think you could push back and say Miles makes more sense long-term here than Buddy just because the age and stuff like that. The age and the position. There's less yeah. of a log jam really at center. I know you could say, well, we have a ton of bigs right now, but how many serious bigs do we have? Like James Johnson, Daniel Tice, Goga, come on. You know, you could you could push them to the side. All of a sudden, then you, you got Turner, Isaiah Jackson right over there. That definitely feels like, okay, those are guys that you can make an argument that they're both still very young. Turner's 26. Isaiah Jackson's, you know, 20, 21 years old. So it just feels like those are the two that, hey, I get it. You know, what compared to Buddy, where there's there's Buddy, there's Mather, and there's Duarte, you know, right over there. Maybe you want to get Neesmith more time with Halliburton. So it, it gets a little bit tough over there. But one thing I wanted to head in, Alex, I know it's a different era. They shoot a lot of threes over here. But when you look at the record books, when it's all said and done, Buddy Heald will be up there in terms of most three-pointers ever made. He will have his name very high on that list. So this guy, we take it a little bit for granted, but he can flat out shoot the leather off of a basketball. And right now, I, I know that we're not in winning mode all the time, but there's a lot of teams that Buddy can help. It's all about just kind of finding him the right role and the right amount of minutes. Totally agree with that, Fachi. Um, overall, though, this podcast with Michael Scotto, another terrific one. Sorry that we do not have a YouTube video up for this one. Uh, just wasn't able to make it happen today, but uh, we'll be back with that. And we apologize. Um, this was just terrible communication on mine and Fachi's part. We do not have a fan of the week this week. So we're going to double up next week. We're going to have two fans of the week. 
uh, just to make up for the week that we accidentally forgot. It's been kind of a, the Pacers were off and we kind of took some time off too. So uh, just been one of those things. I've been sick and Fachi started to get sick as well. So uh, if you're, if you're prayerful, pray for us. If you uh, have good thoughts, think good thoughts for us to get better. But uh, with that said, Fachi, let people know where they can find us out on social media. Absolutely. So you could find us on Twitter at setting the page three. You could find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. Um, wasn't Like I said, I've been sick, so I was not able to get up uh, an episode of the Blue and Golden this week. I was scheduled to have one with Derek Schultz, uh, someone that you guys are probably very familiar with. And I had to postpone on him twice just because of uh, some scheduling conflicts. And then, of course, with me being sick, it was just a little bit too much. And I just didn't want to put out a bad uh, bad content. So we will get back on that next week. But I did have a written article on this last week. If you guys want to check that out at uh, blueandgolden.substack.com, give me a subscription there. And uh, that article will come right into your inbox, your, your email, your preferred email. And it's free of charge. It's just... My writing, you can read it for free. I'm not going to charge you for it. Just my thoughts on what's going on. And I try to keep it informative, but also I try to give opinion on there as well. So uh, plugging myself there because I have to, and uh, really would appreciate it if you guys give me some feedback. But with that being said, Flatchy, if you would like for me to quit rambling and you're excited that the Pacers are finally back in action against the Miami Heat, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! <laughs>